Alright, so here it is, Joe, Season 3, Episode 1. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. For us, we just keep on rolling, so it doesn't really feel like uh, that. I mean, I guess, you know, we had the whiskey the last time. That was smart, because it sort of helped us to be present with our accomplishment. Yeah, so then what if we just started doing that every time? <laughs> we'll just keep leveling up. Uh, uh, but yeah, so... Um, I'm trying to be present! <laughs> so, yeah, and super excited. Uh, David Hellams, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. A.K.A. Crappy Magic. Crappy. Um, and we're going to find out just how crappy this magic is today. All right, I look forward to talking about yeah. it. <laughs> wow, this is super exciting. I mean, this is really... Um, I mean, I think that what we've been able to do here is get an incredible array of people and then uh, over time get all these different perspectives. And so, I, you know, if you're somebody that's just listening for the first time, like go back and, and uh, just like randomly choose some other prior yeah. episodes because we've got like so many different There's no order. They're all independent. Um, and it's just been incredible. And so to be, you know, front row center for this, you know, Joe and I, it's just been a really cool thing that was born out of just a, a, a genuine kind of curiosity and just a, uh, of being fans of conversation mm-hmm. and yeah. thinking like, hey, let's just, uh, I don't know, record them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I'm just grateful because like I would, we would never be together in this construct, right? Like how many right. times do you get to be with somebody? Like I just met you. And so the first hour of our connectedness as human beings on this planet, we will have a conversation. Yeah, That's right. Then, It'll be documented. And then after like the second yeah. hour, you'll be like, I'm good. I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can erase it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but, but welcome. Thank you. Um, and so super excited. I think um, it's the, the difference between what you just said, like you were just saying, like this is actually just to take a second and recognize this is like the first hour you'll spend with David. But I think for me, <laughs> David is of all the guests that I that have like sort of come to the show through me David's probably the one I've known the longest I we've, we've known each other a long time yeah 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 so did, when I, I first met David it was because of you doing the rabbit right that was yes. pretty much it you yes. want to just like start laying that out so this is like early 2000s sure uh, I think it's probably about a solid decade we've uh-huh. known each other yeah uh, you're probably right give yeah. or take a year yeah and so I graduated from college I went to the University of South Swanee Tennessee graduated mm-hmm. in 2007 and we had connections there but I don't think I ever knew you until after you had graduated Right, right. And so right after I graduated, um, I moved to a house in 8th Avenue South, the Woodland and Waverly neighborhood. This is my former professor's house, actually. Mm-hmm. Two of my former An professors. An infamous art school party house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, it, I mean, nothing. I mean, in, t- in terms of today's headlines, I, I, it was very calm. Right, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but a lot of, it was a very much like a, an after hours kind of headquarters after an exhibition or something. People would end up back at the house yep. drinking wine, having a dance party usually. Yep. It was and, a really fun place. And I was I was pleased to be able to carry on that tradition started by um, artists from the early 2000s that lived in Nashville, such as Terry Glissman and Jack Ryan. I think right. maybe Greg Pond stayed there. I think he was there for a on. minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And several others. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like two, two or three generations kind of felt like they moved through that house. Yeah, and, and a lot, it was a lot of professors uh, yeah. who were uh, or, or former students uh, of Watkins College of Art. Yeah. And they were affiliated with it. Not the, uh, 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 the fugitive art group, um, right. I believe, uh, that yeah. used to have a space in Terry what is and now. Greg and Jack were uh-huh. all part. They, they, uh-huh. they were all connected at UGA originally. Does uh-huh. that sound right? 
uh, they had all yes. gone to University of yeah, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. some of them did. I, I, I think I think I'm not sure if Terry did, but I could be wrong about that. I'm pretty he was sure definitely ja- in Jack the beginning and Greg of that. Did. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they they were that you know for people who don't know the history of it, that's the Wedgwood Houston neighborhood is now a booming arts district. But before it was, it was just a warehouse district. That's right. And people like the Fugitive were some of the early people who came to that those came to those warehouses, took those spaces over, turned them into studios and gallery spaces, had all sorts of arts events. And you know now no artist can live there anymore because it's too expensive and yeah, it's yeah, full yeah. of it's full of uh, art galleries and boutiques and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the house I lived in was in a really nice historic uh, neighborhood that had historic neighborhood or had historic preservation like uh, designation uh, designation over. It. Yeah. So this house was, or, probably yeah. would have been torn down and redeveloped at some point, except for it was difficult. You know, you someone would have had to buy it and get it condemned, which they did eventually. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, no it, surprise. Ext- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's life was extended, you know, and kept in kind of the yeah. creative low rent, uh, um, you know, falling down community yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for uh, probably an extra 10 or 15 yeah. years because of that uh, pr- protective district. Um, and so I remember like the entire, like you go into the kitchen and it was just a downhill yeah, run. It dropped, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah the, the, the kitchen probably dropped 10 inches from one end to the other. Like, no kidding. And after, no kidding. After at least few, that much. And I, I remember specifically after one of our rabbit uh, after art crawl parties uh, I, uh, that was particularly just heavy in terms of quantity of people in the house, we went into the kitchen the next morning and I was like, it's lower today <laughs> it yesterday and I was standing at the sink and it yeah. felt like standing on a diving board or, yeah. or, or at the end of the plank right. and we ended up having to have the landlord come yeah. out and it was totally plausible that it was just old and that's why the demon yeah. fallen down but we knew we'd had you know yeah. you know 50 people in the kitchen yeah. one time right. the night before exactly. this, uh, one dancing. this one yeah, this yeah. will be redacted from the final uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but the house is He's, gone the house yeah. is gone now yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, but, and uh, anyway I wanted to say that 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 house had the tradition uh, of among uh, Watkins professors and students, and also in the the, the fugitive uh, art community and some other uh, art organizations and galleries that were running prior to my moving there. And then uh, my my first roommates in that house were were not my cool art friends. They were just guys that I I needed to get you know. Mm in the house before somebody else snatched it because right. the rent was really extraordinary. The neighborhood was really extraordinary. And so, uh, you know, I just moved in there with some, you know, a new one of them and he, and he brought him and his friends in there. That was awkward. But after they moved out, uh, I, th- by that point, I'd started to work on the Rabbit Magazine with uh, Casey Pierce mm-hmm. and a number of other uh, folks. A lot of the other people involved were involved in the music uh, uh, scene, some other right. artists, but a lot of, you know, recent graduates from Belmont University. Mm-hmm. And, and the Rabbit Magazine was, ba- it predated Native. Um, and it was a you know smaller kind of zine looking thing. I yeah. came. I, I didn't work with Casey, uh, and I think it was Casey Pierce and Leslie Gamirez, uh, maybe Tracy Milam that had, that had started the publication initially. I didn't work. With I always them think on, of you three when I think of the Rabbit. Then. Yeah, it was like you, but, Leslie, and Casey. I came on maybe around issue three, so they okay. they started it, and then I and I was working at Plaza Artist Supplies my first year out of college, and uh, and and Casey, I got to know him through him coming in there, and I would. Going to pl- uh, into Fido and see him, so we would visit each other right. at work. Casey was a barista at that time. Yeah, yeah. and I started. To, I, so 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 I started to show up to their meetings and became sort of the managing editor. So mm-hmm. I was I was kind of wrangling yeah. the stories in, uh, doing a lot of the copy editing to make sure you know grammar and punctuation kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, clarity. And also I was as far as the visual arts, I was helping to select um, you know who we would write about, and also uh, uh, and also writing a few articles myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking. 
looking, you know, I'm sure when I look back at the rabbit, it's you know a little embarrassing. We were all kind of kids, mm-hmm. and none of us had journalism degrees, and we were largely just writing stories yeah, about, was, about was our great. extended friend network, you yeah. know. Uh, but we did it have was these. So smart, though, it was so smart. You guys just like wrote about your own scene. And even better, through big-ass fun parties to mm-hmm. celebrate the magazine. Mm-hmm. And that whole formula worked so well. Yeah, I and mean, that's an age-old thing. I mean, yeah. going back to, like, I mean, skate culture and punk culture mm-hmm. and, you know, going back to the, I mean, even prior to the, the 80s, you know, like, there's just a, a real rich tradition of that. Mm-hmm. that I know, I'm sure that zine culture and mm-hmm. all that is still really strong. I'm just not... I guess I think I'm just so old now that I'm I'm probably a little disconnected from a lot of those, mm-hmm. but I think it, it takes youthful naivete and and that sort of the the beauty of just having all that energy and just needing to consolidate it mm-hmm. with in a social way and direct it and and archive or capture you know things, and I, I wonder how like I wonder now like if those things are as relevant because people don't feel like they're being seen or heard unless it's on Instagram or, yeah. you know, like, um, and so I wonder how, like how that, uh, you know, culture has morphed yeah. or changed. I, I can't really speak to it, but I think it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I love the fact that, I mean, when I, when I was in, I don't know, seventh grade, like we were making like fan magazines for like weird bands and stuff and then finding bootleg tapes and then selling pirated bootlegs through mail order yeah. know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and we would make these things at a coffee shop or I'm sorry, at a print shop. Yeah, and most zines were mail shop. order. Right, and just like manual paste up layouts and you know, nothing computer about it, fill, fully analog end to end. Yeah, and then fold it and staple it. And yeah. Like, Done. And, and I, think, I think that there's something to that that, you know, I don't know, like a blogger is going to have the same sort of uh, tangible relationship to the things that they're doing mm-hmm. or the audience or the this, the peer group or I, I feel like the, just the nature of, of tangible media mm-hmm. is is really you know uh fleeting but really important and i you know i see it sort of surviving in these various incarnations but i really feel like there's something pure that you were probably at the end of with with the with the rabbit you know like uh because i don't i, I can't i mean are things like that still happening in the same way outside, like, of outside of like a fine art kind of construct like really mm. just like culture mm, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna back off of what i was gonna say <laughs> but I, let me say one thing i am gonna say though that there was there's there's i'm aware of some things that are going on right now but i would say they're within they're a little too close to the fine art culture to say they're not so um uh so i won't admit oh i can't talk about it anyway but uh but the <laughs> i can't mention what this is anyway but oh uh, yeah the dish rag look um, at this uh, the thing I was going to say though is that a friend of mine tweeted just the other day that he was con- he was contemplating the idea that a lot of that kind of homemade media might come back again just because of the sort of the you know just the control and the censorship and the lack of privacy on all those you know digital platforms you know that it might just drive people back to hey let's just make magazines it's more fun anyway you know what I mean yeah. and and then it'll be our thing and fuck everybody else you know what I mean so yeah. I could see that happening I, I, I don't know if it's going to be possible to go all the way back because even I've just passed Brian a copy of Dishrag magazine mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fresh back from the independent art oh, book fair right. in yeah, Brooklyn right? so I brought some of my haul from that fair and as well as printed matter retail store in New York and uh, even Dishrag so Dishrag is doing essentially a lot of what the rabbit was doing but in a little bit more mm-hmm. than some of the articles in even a scholarly way mm-hmm. um, and, and they've got the perfect bind going on there yeah oh, it's, 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 it's 
really nice and close. Get nice and close. Yeah, okay. yeah, re- yeah, really, really well constructed uh, uh, magazine. It's unbelievable. And I, I'm still, I'm still kind of digging into what all these articles are about. I'm reading the one right now about uh, cheese caves. The whole theme of the magazine is caves, mm-hmm. uh, which is by the, I guess, the executive editor of the magazine, who I met. That's the, this issue, though, right? It's not the, always and caves. This is, is, this it? is, this is the, <laughs> uh, this is the first issue. This is the first issue. Oh, okay, wow, well, cool. And then, uh, and then their next and it's issue, called Dish Rag. Dish Rag okay. is the magazine, uh, and you know, so this is a, a, a much higher production value, probably more labor intensive magazine, but it's, it's similar to what they were doing, what we were doing with the rabbit. And, uh, and essentially they're also, uh, throwing big warehouse parties, uh, as a way of bringing are people they, into the fold of their publication. Are they based yeah. in New York or are they? Yeah, they're based, okay. they're based in New York. The man or the executive editor that I, that I was sitting next to at this art book fair, uh, I think she's a, a master's student at NYU. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, this is so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's a, this is unbelievable. It's, it's, this is, this it's, is it's damn good. This yeah, yeah. must've been very expensive to produce. Uh huh. But I, I think, you know, they've, they, they've were able to fund it largely from, you know, the door yeah. at this, uh, at, at the parties, at, at their warehouse party. And that's the same thing you guys And that's doing. what the rabbit was doing yeah. too. I think w- once or twice we may have tried charging, but beyond that, uh, you know, I think we just basically threw the party, uh, you know, had a cover charge and printed right. the, paid ourselves back from, you know, the money we pulled out of our pockets mm-hmm. to print the thing with that. Let me ask you real quick, how, as you, uh, as I remember it, okay, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm just making shit up in my brain, but, but you did how many issues of the rabbit about? I think we ended up doing six, six issues and I would have worked on yeah. four or five and six or yeah. maybe, maybe the third one. I think it might've just been four or five. So and about six, six issues and they yeah. were kind of coming out like every month ish kind of, it was, it was, more than it was every few months. I okay. think, you know, and this that was wasn't a, a regular thing, but all of a sudden, yeah. bam, here's a new rabbit. It, you know it, what I mean? it felt like a long time, but really I was probably only working on it for 12 or 24 months. It was yeah. a year or two that I was actually involved and it preceded me by a year or two. Did you, you know? do, did now we talked about how it started off as just the simple folded paper kind of zine. Did it yeah. stay that way or did it get upgraded a little bit? It ended up, it always stayed in that kind of, you know, this kind of like half size yeah. format, you know? Um, but, uh, but it ended up, we, we went through a, a press. What is it? I could be wrong. But I think it was Phillips first is the press. That's like on Woodland street, I think. Okay. And, uh, so we ended up going to a local press and having just a full color. Okay. Uh, so you kind of, you kind of upgraded the production a little bit yeah, along yeah, the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. I, I think that's how I remember it. I remember soon, it getting soon, a little bit nicer. By the time I was working on it, we were having it printed rather than, you know, Casey. But I think in the first few, it was basically Casey and Leslie and their friends, you know, printing it on a mm-hmm. copier, you know, true DIY zine style. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to, um, if anybody's uh, listening who's from Nashville, I'll be interviewing Casey, at, or I'll be leading a gallery chat with Casey on Saturday at 4 o'clock at Red Arrow Gallery. Um, and I mentioned that because we'll probably end up talking about a lot of the same stuff with Casey. And I was talking to him about this at his uh, opening reception. Uh, we were, we were kind of getting into all this history a little bit. And then he said, you know, basically that for him, like the end of the rabbit basically came at a time where if we were going to keep doing the rabbit, mm-hmm. essentially I would have to be like a magazine publisher mm-hmm. because we were getting to the point where it was like, are we going to go to the next level or yep. are we going to go ahead and say, Hey, this was awesome. Yep. Now let's all do something else. Yep. And, and he wanted to go paint. That, <laughs> that, I, was, I was of the same mind. Yeah. Uh, there were, there were a lot of, um, you know, everybody was being pulled in a bunch of different directions. I'd just taken a much more serious job mm. at Watkins oh, College right, of Art yeah. as a recruiter. Um, and that was going to be taking up a lot more of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey wanted to focus on studio work. Others uh, were uh, had their eye on music industry jobs. Yeah. Um, 
and, uh, and and it was also you know we had accumulated such a a, a, a a number of you know passionate people who all had a hand in the project and it was also becoming difficult um, to determine you know who's in charge of what and it was an unwieldy organization and none of us had mm-hmm. really the experience uh, or, or, or wanted to yeah. you know, assert you know the authority that might have been needed uh, <laughs> to, to, to have a clear direction for right. it. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like um, any situation right like you're, ba- you're in a band or you know yeah. whatever it is anything where there's a group of people all sort of motivated to do a thing but then over time people have different circumstances or different motivations or different designs Mm -hmm. and then if you don't you know I've become like the older I've gotten the more I've been a believer in sort of hierarchy and you know really appreciating like leadership uh, as like a way to sort of you know pull the threads together because when everything's so egalitarian and so sort of wishy-washy you know it really can uh, it can help a lot of things get started but I don't think it has uh, the framework for sustaining or, or growing uh, something. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you're in a, a growth mindset of any kind, then whatever people's real intentions yeah. are really start to kind of come out. And then if you don't have like something singular to sort of all align to, um, then things will inevitably start to sort of fray as in every sort of group dynamic that I've ever witnessed or been a part of in my entire life. So <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's something I'm definitely uh, kind of looking at as I move forward because my 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 project now is Crappy Magic, and it is a it's a company like I have it registered as a company. That's not to say I'm making money that's yet. So awesome, they have but, a company called but, Crappy Magic. Yeah, I do have I do have a company <laughs> called Crappy Magic LLC, and, uh, and, and and right now it's just me. But I have in the past worked uh, in partnership with uh, especially David King uh, and others to develop the Crappy Magic experience, which is our video art retail yeah, so let's, concept let's, we should probably just kind of roll yeah, that yeah, out yeah. because that's that's well, a lot of why let me let me connect yeah. one link really quick though yeah. i just want to ask you like do you see the crappy magic you know which starts as a, as a magazine project uh-huh. primarily do you see that as a direct like line from the rabbit to that or i i th- i think that the that the fact that i worked on the rabbit magazine is very likely uh, a a big part of the reason i determined that i could turn my photography uh, the, the project that I started to do into a magazine yeah, rather okay. than just trying to make prints on the yeah, wall I just it, wanted to get that clear a- for absolutely, myself absolutely and I, <laughs> it's, it, it's a point I was going to make based mm-hmm. on uh, based on you know you know how, how we began talking about my history with, with the rabbit is that um, is that yeah uh, when as a between the rabbit and uh, and crappy magic, there is a span of five or six or seven yeah, years. A lot of drawing and, and painting. And, and, and I was doing these detailed photorealistic pencil drawings, and people loved them. Yeah, and probably it would have been a good, they were great, would have been a good <laughs> business move for me to just buckle down and do those. But I got tired. I was copying photographs, you mm-hmm. know, essentially. Even if I, some of them were my photographs, some of them were appropriated photographs. I was mixing up, you know, the subject matter to make kind of surreal narratives or absurd narratives out of the imagery. Mm-hmm. But I got tired of the preciousness of the sheet of paper, which could be, you know, destroyed <laughs> by a little full crease in the corner or a drop of coffee. Right. Uh, and uh, and also got tired of copying photographs. Mm-hmm. The monogram. I started painting. Uh, Casey and I had that show at uh, the uh, Fido uh, that we filled the, the gallery in Fido way back in the day. You had some good shows at your house too. And we had some, fun. we had some good shows in open studios yeah. at, at the house. It continued to be you know occasionally an art crawl after party um, spot. Um, and uh, uh, then I, I kind of took a break for a couple of years. And uh, when I came back, I started to do these observations 
transformational uh, paintings. They were just still lifes uh, uh, or interiors of my house. And part of the reason I was doing that, I was an art school recruiter at the time, and I had to tell the students all the time, you know, draw and paint from life. You know, not <laughs> not just from a picture in, on the internet. Um, yeah. And uh, and so I, I had eventually that sunk into me that I needed to return to that root. If that's what I was advising people to do, and mm-hmm. this will lead to crappy magic. So yeah, I, can, yeah, yeah. I can lead us right this up there perfect. from the start. Okay. <laughs> so here here I here I am. I can feel the crappy coming. Here I, <laughs> here I am making paintings of things I have laying around the house. And you know, this house is really close to the Goodwill Outlet Store. The Goodwill Outlet Store is where the Goodwill sends uh, things that either this donations that they don't even want to bother trying to sell in a retail outlet mm-hmm. or in a retail store or, or it's the things that have been sitting on the shelf in the retail store for like a year and they're not selling so mm-hmm. they'll put them in a in a rolling bin and they'll roll it out into a warehouse floor um, and you can pick things up you can put them in a, in a bag or in a cart and they'll weigh the stuff and it's not organized. And they sell it by the pound. And they sell it by the pound. Wow. I think right now no it's a price tags, no buck thirty. No, you know, green tag Wednesday. Right, 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 like right. That. If there if there is a tag on it, <laughs> you disregard the, the tag. Absolute like white flag of commerce. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. It's it's, re, it's really it almost feels like it's turning you know everything people don't want into just a, a commodity again. Yeah. And this is the last time you know you'll ever have the chance to buy this stuff before it gets thrown probably in the landfill. I'm mm. assuming is where most of it. Maybe they do some sorting and finding recyclable things. But I think mostly. It goes to the landfill mm. uh, might, might be different for like the shoes or the clothes or something maybe they send those in bulk overseas yeah um, I think some of the people that shop there might even be hired by a company where they are buying shoes and clothes and yeah. selling those in bulk yeah. overseas yeah yeah um, so uh, and some, and a lot of people who shop there are resellers they might have their own thrift store or, or eBay store so anyway I, I started going to the Goodwill outlet with a mind to buy some you know cool objects that I could put into my paintings uh, or at a certain point um, um, I, I did a video with my sister, maybe this is 2014, 15, called Stuff Concerto. You ever seen this? You've seen this? I don't know. I did this video, and it's, it's a concerto, and it's kind of the first-person view of my sister sitting at the keyboard. You see her hands playing the keys, and then there's like a, a purple curtain uh, across from the keyboard and a little platform, and every time she hits a note in this kind of improvised concerto she plays, an item appears uh-huh. on the... So it's like, and this is like a stop-motion animation you guys made? Yeah. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah. dun, dun. And every note you see is kind of a stop motion. Wow. Uh, an item just appears for as long as you hear the note. Wow! And there's three movements, and each of them are different instruments, quote unquote, uh-huh. on, the, on the keyboard. And uh, I can play this for you guys later. But if you can see it uh, from uh, crappymagic.com, you'll see my kind of pre-crappy magic art, including a link mm-hmm. to see stuff concerto. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. DavidHelms.com. My my personal uh-huh. website, DavidHelms.com. You can see all my pre-crappy magic work. Just kind of an archive for that. But since mm. twenty, since March twentieth, twenty fifteen, I've been mm. doing crappy magic, and all right. the creative work I've done is, is under the crappy magic rubric. And what happened? <laughs> what what happened on March twentieth, twenty fifteen, is. I went back to the Goodwill outlet after having made this video where I basically filled up a couple shopping carts full of stuff and took pictures of them for this or, or took short you know video clips for them for this video stuff concerto and then I just took it all back and donated it back to Goodwill. I didn't need it laying around the house. And then I went back and I had I brought a digital camera, a small Canon digital camera in my pocket. And I was like, "You know what? It, it was cool to buy all that stuff and uh, and I didn't have to paint it this time. I just put it in this video." Maybe I'll just bring my camera. If there's something real cool, I'll buy it. But I just want to get some pictures of stuff. And um, and maybe I'll you know paint that or cut it out in Photoshop and do some cool animation. And what I found was that the pictures that I started to make that day 
I just liked the pictures. And I'd never shown photographs as photographs before. Mm-hmm. I didn't really take a digital photography class in college. So you were mm-hmm. taking pause all of a sudden, like the, what really seemed like as a construction step towards this larger process. Uh-huh. You're like, wait, this is the thing. This is the thing. Yeah. And Brian, you've never seen the magazine, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, he's this, about this. to magic on you. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you should see. So, I, what, what I've been doing, I have seven issues of what's called Crappy Magic Magazine, and each issue of Crappy, <laughs> each issue of Crappy Magic Magazine, you've got issue three there on top, and the newest one, issue seven on the bottom. Each issue is forty pages, full color, my digital photographs, mostly taken at the outlet. So wow. yeah, you're just taking them at the outlet for the most for part. For the most, there might be an occasional. You just, so you're just grabbing yeah. like weird things, objects. This placemat is a nice background. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm uh-huh. with this little statue of a girl with this little rubber dog. Yeah, and that's a fucking photograph. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and so this I, is so great. Man. I, ideally, ideally, I don't even have to do. I, it's great when I just see something amazing and all I have to do is frame the picture in the camera. But I certainly do, you know, a lot of times I will see this over here and this over here and I'll quickly, put them together real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll quickly put it together. And, uh, and, and, so, and so, yeah, and, I, you know, I, and I've been doing it for about three and a half um, years now. And I try to be disrespectful of the people I'm around. It's not about the people. I'm sure that's an interesting photo project, but that's not what I'm here to do. Yeah. Right. For me, this, not doing like humans of goodwill. No, right. no, no, no. This is stuff of goodwill. And I try <laughs> yeah. to, stuff I try of goodwill. And yeah. I tried, and I and I and I tried to. Um, I oh, tried this to, is amazing. Thank you so much. And you know that one's a couple years old, and if you, you'll see an evolution in the way I'm making the pictures. Okay. This one you can tell in a lot of the pictures. This must be some kind of like thrift store pile of junk. Uh-huh. And in Crappy Magic Number Seven, the newest issue, you'll look at it. I think you'll probably feel you, you'll probably get a sense that these might be studio photographs, and, and they're not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're just getting better at it. Yeah, I'm just getting more. I wonder, did, yeah, I wonder about better your, making images. Yeah, yeah. and Can, I don't know that it's dawned on me specifically in all the times I've talked you about this that you're actually doing it at the goodwill is there do you other than the little digital camera you've shown me let's talk specifically about what you're using if yeah, we can. Actually, yeah. but, i'm really interested in this um, yeah. but is there yeah. is there are you doing any, you're not you're not doing anything with lighting or anything other than maybe moving your stuff closer to a window or something one like, of the best thing the second best thing about the goodwill outlet aside, <laughs> aside from the fact that it's like this is something no one's ever considered about the goodwill outlet what you're about to say i'm sure it may or may not be but i, I don't know if, as far as i know i'm the first person to take photography at the Goodwill Outlet this seriously. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and, and I, I've taken something on the order of, I've taken somewhere between oh. tw- 20 and 30,000 images, yeah. just just raw JPEG, or or not, not raw images, JPEG images. Yeah. And, and, and I'll admit, like, they're not all good. Yeah. But I did take them. But that's why you so take them, right? I'm com- you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you take I'm, that many. I'm committed yeah. to it, and yeah. I could, if it ever comes down yeah. to showing that I that I developed this yeah. from March 2015 onward, yeah. oh, you know, I've, so got, I've got the, I've got the goods. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I took like um, nine photos of a door yesterday. Yeah, so I know what you're talking about. yeah, yeah. 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 You, you, you want a well, lot, and then you pick out the best of the yeah. right. So the second best thing, aside from the fact that it's this, uh, it's this, you know, uh, amazing river of, of of consumer goods on their way out yeah. of the economy and on their way out of our yeah. lives, uh, and it's sort of like a, 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 it's a place where I can uh, uh, maybe uh, exercise some of my whim, 
symptoms and maybe things are coming out of my unconscious, but I think just as importantly, it's sort of a metaphor for our collective unconscious as consumers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's the best thing about the Goodwill Outlet. Mm-hmm. It's a public service they provide that's also helping you know uh, salvage things from the landfill mm-hmm. for the time being, uh, and, and, and it's kind of a historical, uh, unorganized historical document. Yeah. There's so, an elegiac so quality. That's to the, the place. best thing. The second oh, yeah. best thing related to making these pictures is their lighting is great. It's, yeah, that's it's the thing full, I say. No one's ever thought, boy, this is great lighting. Yeah, the lighting is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. It's wonderful. So they did this is this like rows of fluorescent lights uh-huh. direct overhead. Uh-huh. And so, you know, if maybe you're in a little bit of a dim spot, you just pick up what you're interested in and you move it five feet yeah, away. That's what I was saying. Um, yeah, you just but, get a little yeah, closer absolutely. to the light or you, you just set your you set your digital camera to manual and uh-huh. you and you uh, and with <laughs> Canon does this great is you just set it to the fluorescent setting. Yeah. yeah and, and it actually it, it yeah. actually warms it up a little right. bit more than that light temperature. It counters the light it actually I think it overcorrects a little bit and I like the overcorrection yeah. toward a warm image. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so a couple of thoughts on this real quick as I'm just yeah, looking at sure. it. So so uh, first uh, obviously I think this is just this is great. It's one of those things where I, I know like there's certain ideas or concepts or things that people do that as soon as you just see it or get it immediately you just think yes because it's something that almost to the point as like an artist and also as a photographer and, and somebody that's fascinated with minutia and nostalgia and a lot of things I'm like this is so simple and so spot on and so brilliant at the same time easily overlooked at sort of how like like in terms of how you're laying this out mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of thought in this mm-hmm. you know this is not just assembly of photos taken at Goodwill and I think that if somebody's listening it's going to go right by them in terms of just like how thoughtfully you know color and subject and you know the layouts and everything are, are really thoughtful um, but the other thing I guess I think about it that's really cool is that um, uh, there's always in pretty much every photo that I see there's uh, even when you can tell you know obviously like this you know this assembly of kitchen utensils on a clock radio on top of you know I mean obviously you're dealing with this randomized nature of these things but mm-hmm. you're still quickly contextualizing in some cases maybe more than others right like mm-hmm. what you're shooting here but like like for instance this is just like an old Apple laptop uh, power supply with some masking tape over it that has somebody's last name and, and some sort of n- the number 202 uh-huh, or whatever. Uh-huh. you know but it's like uh, um, so immediately what it draws me into is um, the, the idea that for each one of these, there's there's some sort of um, uh, the, the remnants of physical human interaction yes. are all over this. And so it strangely makes these still objects feel very um, kinetic or have this life or power to them that... Uh, a new object or a pristine object mm-hmm, would not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would not have and so I you know and I think that this is a you know I think anybody that's gone around and looked at this kind of stuff there's something that is innately fascinating to the eye uh, to just kind of go through people's stuff if that's the way to look at it you know I mean not that there's ownership attached to it at that point but um so it's, it's, it's a weird mixture of a lot of things because on one level it feels almost like voyeuristic yep, yep. Um, and then on another level uh it's just like an abstract and sort of simple sort of beauty out of simple things. Um, and I love like how you, you, you tend to find, you know, anything where there's somebody's name or uh, some sort of uh, next level kind of personal, like there was one in there where um, 
you know, it was somebody's calendar uh, and it said like skydive uh-huh, uh-huh. you know like this is their big day where they're gonna skydive yeah, they're, they're skydiving day, and then uh, the day before right under it says Socrates right yeah. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that like the, the, uh, their school their, test or something their school maybe? test yeah. or, or maybe or maybe taking their cat Socrates yeah. to the vet yeah. Or, yeah, yeah 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 that's interesting so, so that's, that's the other part of it I really Socrates. like is it, it, skydive it, it, inevitably and you do this when you're you know rummaging or whatever but like you're you I think the best art is is art that um, creates or at least spawns you to start thinking about or imagining a narrative like each one becomes like a short film that you can mm-hmm, quickly imagine mm-hmm. or, or put together like because it it doesn't really answer any questions it just kind of poses them and then it forces your brain to sort of connect some things so I think that um, in a strange way I see this as connected to sort of like abstract expressionism or something where or like Rauschenberg or uh, you know anything where it's just it's it's positing all these different coordinates that are not obviously necessarily related and so by as the being in the observer role you're whether you realize it or not being your brain is being challenged to start to to kind of connect those things and so you in that intermediary space i guess that's where the crappy magic is Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Basically, am I getting it? I, I think you you've got it pretty well. Uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, you know, you might see a, a jump from cra- uh, issue number three to issue number seven. There, I think something that's starting to happen in, uh, in in number in these later issues is that a few of the images almost are beginning to resemble like a, 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 you know a, a, an advertisement or product photography yes. for something that's not on its way into the market but rather <laughs> that's on its way out of the market and it has picked up these uh, uh, these you know nicks or uh, or, or these uh, uh, abrasions or or these markings from um, from from past use and from ownership and, and sometimes uh, that, that gives it a, a, a comforting feel sometimes it makes it feel kind of a, almost like a, a gives it a haunting feel yeah, um, like Willie Nelson's guitar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but, but yeah. So the, the, and the other aspects of crappy magic are are are, are carrying that torch forward uh, around this idea of imbuing um, kind of surplus material goods, things that we don't want anymore, mm. um, with creative energy. It may be one last time, and uh, I don't think it's possible. I can't really do that. I can't think of a, a of a good image or, uh, or 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 of a good with crappy magic experience a good you know video project or painting uh that uh for everything that i that i find but when i but i try you know everything i look at it it, i i kind of rack my brain like what might i be able to do with that Mm -hmm. and at the very least uh, in the magazine in addition to uh making images that i hope spark people's imagination it's also a loosely could be construed as a documentary project as well Mm -hmm. uh you know uh and i i don't i don't have the where i would like to get more to a place where i can research you know uh where was this you know manufactured who designed it what is what are their materials what are the raw materials in yeah. this and that's you know a life a lifetime uh, a potential goal or is there or is there a way to um uh attach as the because you're not owning these things right you're just photographing them as they're about to go to die i, I buy a few things every time i go sure. so to justify my experience or my uh, my presence pay rent and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah i, 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 do, I do buy that. things and i've yeah. also uh and, and from the things i buy that's where the other aspects of the crappy magic Got project come okay, in. which mm-hmm. we'll get to so but i guess i was just gonna, yeah. i was just gonna say how cool would it be to um uh put gps tracking devices on some of these 
like like bring some back to your place or whatever outfit them with like some means of tracking them yeah and then have like a live tracker on the internet and you can like go look at the photo <laughs> of like what the thing is it's and then a, see oh, like that little frog is in Bordeaux now <laughs> <laughs> so what are, were you is saying one you, of those new condos in you're Bordeaux. saying you would just like leave, leave it on a on a park bench or something and see sure. where it goes yeah. yeah yeah I mean uh people do worse right with like oh, here's my Instagram account where we have my little figurine that goes around the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is sort of next level, but um, but anyway, but so the next, so you're getting into the sort of the next fold of what you're talking about. Yeah. So you're bringing these things, so you're going to the spot themselves and then creating these constructs, photographing them, but then you're also grabbing some of these objects and then bringing them back to your, your spot and then what happens? Yeah, okay. So um, the crappy magic experience Experience is uh, kind of the the next phase of crappy magic, and it, it began in 2016 when I had an offer of a solo exhibition from Seed Space, which mm-hmm. is a, a nonprofit gallery space. It's now um, sort of absorbed into the Locate Arts organization. It's kind of become like a, a wandering curatorial concern uh-huh, at this point. Uh-huh. I believe. And now, and now, now, Seed Space and Locate Arts are really uh, kind of curating shows around the state of Tennessee. Their focus now is on those statewide, not just in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, but Seed Space has, has a long uh, history in Nashville of uh, sponsoring exhibitions and, and hosting exhibitions yeah. that are experimental in nature, usually non-commercial yeah. in nature. They're and, one of the probably one of the longest-lived art space. I mean, they've moved around in Wedgwood, Houston, but mm-hmm. they were there a long time ago. You and, know what I mean? And yeah. they just sort of continued and kind of found better spots and bigger spots. And used to be in that Chestnut yeah. Street building. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they've only just recently like kind of gotten to the point where they're kind of not really going to use that space anymore right. as I understand it but it's it's definitely a thing of like we've kind of we've kind of grown into something bigger uh-huh, you know uh-huh. what I mean and it's not a question of we got ran out of town yeah, you know yeah. what I mean but, it's but, really impressive yeah but uh, and going back you know pro- at least a decade I think um, you know they've brought um, really important artists mm-hmm. uh, uh, and successful artists to town that mm-hmm. otherwise probably would have never exhibited right. here and offered the community a chance to see really experimental work from, from from national and international artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was an honor to be offered that show. The curator yeah. uh, at the time and still is Rachel Bubis. And um, and, and the show that, that I that I conceived of when I was offered a show based on the strength of the magazine, this idea of, you know, imbuing, you know, junk with creative energy was I want other people to have the experience that I have, but in a context where it's developed, you know, for people to do this. Because I'm doing what you're, what you're, you know, what's not you're not supposed to do at the Goodwill Alley. You know, I'm doing something that, 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 that nobody would have suggested that I do there. Um, so, but I want to suggest. So, basically, I brought on. I knew that I probably needed help, and, and, and a new friend of mine, David King, who's now turned out to be you know my best buddy. Uh, uh, several years on, um, I brought him on, to, and we, we basically shared the bill for the first Crappy Magic Experience show, as well as the second one in 2017. But what we decided to do was to build bins. Uh, out of wood and to fill it with stuff that we'd bought at the Goodwill outlet mm-hmm. and then to let people use their cell phones to make pictures mm-hmm. and then in the back of the space um, and David especially uh, helped figure out how to do this um, we had a video screen and pulled up Instagram and uh, got it to where it would update every 60 seconds so if you mm-hmm. just pa- posted to Instagram hashtag crappy magic your image would appear on the screen and you are now an artist in the show yeah, yeah that was and rad. so uh, uh, and, and so the, when, when we won the Best of Nashville Award uh, for that show, um, 
I think that it was the, conceived of as the best DIY art show mm-hmm. of the year. So we had a big opening night uh, in March 2016 and, and a big closing night in April 2016. And on April, in addition to the you know interactive photography uh, part of the show, uh, we also uh, had an auction, right. uh, which uh, where, where uh, we that was the first time. Uh, and this is again David King and his partner and my old friend and former coworker Jamie Rabin they made videos for each of the objects that we auctioned off mm-hmm. and their videos were kind of like a a, a thrift store QVC mm-hmm. uh, oh, sort of concept yeah, totally. with, really with, with a little bit of glitch art thrown in there yeah, yeah. Um, and, and these were just playing on the screen behind me as the auctioneer um, oh, and, so uh, and David was standing to my side yeah. uh, with one camera going on me and also helping me keep track of all the bids that were coming in and, <laughs> and the audience having to do that too it was yeah. the first time I, I you know, was an amateur auction Auctioneer, <laughs> yeah. but I, I totally ordered, you know, like a gavel off of yeah. eBay. And I really do this thing. Whole deal. I had a suit and tie, uh, <laughs> and I, so I do, great. I do, yeah. I do tend to. It's part, it's part of the, you know, the art project is that you know I, I try to look like a straight business person a little bit yeah. when I'm doing this really absurd, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, upselling of, <laughs> yeah. of, of, of junk, of right. crap, like basically. You don't want to be like this wavy gravy character or something. No, no, no. Right. no, no yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, and, and I think that helped lend this air, this uh, aura of seriousness to the auction, which yeah. was very successful. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the most expensive thing we sold was maybe for $30, but it was all crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, but people... But now it's art though, right? But it's art yeah, now. Yeah. And it's because... And, and, and it. People got it and we were just bidding in like one dollar increments uh-huh. um, and this we had we this had is, this is alchemy yeah this we is, had yeah. we had numbers that people would raise uh, this this is all on film so hit me up if you if yeah. you wanna if you wanna see <laughs> this um, but um People really, people really loved, you know, as an ordinary person who doesn't have a lot of money, being able to participate in what felt at the time mm-hmm. like a high stakes auction for something <laughs> that everybody wanted. And we're, we're, we're talking about like a plastic chicken piggy bank <laughs> and like a rubber, you know, twenty five dollars, and like a rubber hand from nineteen eighty three, and uh, and an empty box for some for a product that used but to be see, called the speaks- head chair. Oh, <laughs> But that speaks to, I mean, I love the idea of assigned significance uh-huh. and the power of objects and and the notion of value and percep- perceived value and actual value and what is actual, like, mm-hmm. it just all of that. It raises all of these sort of essential, um, sort of strange constructs that we live in completely uh-huh. all the time i uh-huh. mean uh and we, we we have to believe it or we'll we'll you know yeah. we'll go nuts if we if we right. realize if we realize that maybe not all the things that we that we value and spend money on yeah. are actually worth what yeah I mean, I mean even just the notion or the the action of, a, of an auction just as an isolated thing to just stop pause and think about that i mean uh-huh. because you're inviting social and sort of pressures and you know uh it's such a an extraction of the the exercise of value perception in the sense that you got somebody that's leaning into something and if they're really somebody's got the spiral eyes and they're like i want this thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're kind of like maybe halfway on board and you're kind of you know outbidding them once but then you see that they're going like full in it there's some weird primordial 
primitive part <laughs> of ourselves that gets ignited that's just this competitive yeah. or, it, yeah. or, or it, it's either, it got it's, a little hot yeah it's either, it's, either, <laughs> it's either competitive or it's just based in like um um like herd behavior in a way where it's like if you just see somebody going a direction then you're just not going to question it you're going to mm-hmm. go that it, to me just it it, it it illuminates a lot of really fundamental human things in a in a very and i love that ultimately uh, especially by title and by construct and by the materials included and everything, it makes it impossible for anyone to ever accuse it of being uh, too serious. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, it doesn't. It, it's a it's an interesting straddling that you're doing because it's not. Uh, um, it's not a farce either or just some like we're just being goofy with junky stuff or whatever just, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I, I believe in the, I believe yeah. in the idea and I think we yeah. We, yeah. we we make some some pretty good points with yeah. the project think, but yeah. yes that is important to me that the baseline of crappy magic is perhaps a little kitschy or mm. for fun it's, it's primarily for fun however I think it, for me when when crappy magic surprises you with how meaningful one element of it is or one item you find or one mm-hmm. picture you see in the magazine mm-hmm. you know that makes it all that more exciting because you didn't show up expecting mm-hmm. you know to be moved right. you showed up expecting to giggle right and when when the baseline is it's you know something that you giggle at and then you're surprised at how moved you are by something you know that that for me yeah. leads to a transformative experience yeah, yeah. 100% um, and also too there's also the I think maybe what you're talking about is the most important thing about it. Um, I I definitely like that part of art that we can't really talk about, that part that you're feeling and being affected by it and all that stuff. That's that's where it's all at. And the fact that your project does that is is, is the heart of it. And one th- another thing I love about it is the fact that it's a completely ridiculous thing. It's a silly thing. It's an absurd thing. It's a completely democratic, accessible thing on a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it is a fucking smart art project on oh, so thanks. many, you know, all these things we're talking about. I mean, this, you know, it's it's subversive and it's funny, but it's also sincere and it's not ironic, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the kitsch element, but sure, it's not a, sure, there's sure. not, but kitsch is an irony. Kitsch is something, yeah. it's a celebration, you know. It's inc- <laughs> yeah. But it's super inclusive. It's not, yeah. it's not, um, like anybody yeah. could walk in and uh-huh. have the yeah. same experience. It's yeah, not, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. There's not a, there's not sort of a thing where there's like a click of people winking at each other because they get it. You know no, what I mean? No, no. At all. And I, I love that about it. But it's also, but in the meantime, you know, it's this super smart thing that, you know, that the, the smartest dude in the room you know he he'll he'll understand that it's that it's the super smart thing mm-hmm. but the person who has no clue and just thinks it's really crazy they'll have a fucking good time too yep. <laughs> yeah yep, yep. That, that's what we aim for and i should probably explain how you know all the the activities like the, just described related to the first crappy magic show that was kind of just like a trial run for what mm-hmm. we've developed into with the crappy magic experience and and the, what what the crappy magic experience is today really does seek to be inclusive not just for the audience but for participating artists mm-hmm. contributing artists mm-hmm. so um, so going from I talked about how we had videos at the auction we did a second a benefit auction for seed space as a way of saying thank you um, and and uh, and for that we invited artists to either they could borrow an object from me from my extensive junk collection <laughs> or, or they could provide their own piece of junk and make make a video with the object and then we would sell um, that 
object with their video. So it's not just, you know, David and Jamie, the, you know, people behind the scenes making all the videos at once. It's, you know, contri- contribution to videos, but every video has a physical object we can sell. Mm-hmm. And so we did an auction like that. And I would like to do some more benefit auctions. But at the same time, you know, I realized when I started thinking about what's next year's crappy magic experience going to be like, I, I developed uh, this uh, kind of entrepreneurial concept for a retail store. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is a place where you can walk in. This is what we did last year. And I have a new show coming up December for sorry, November 30th, December 1st this year. So later this year, call for entries is already launched for that. You can see it on crappymagic.com. So basically, you'll walk into the space, there will be objects on shelves. You're allowed to touch any of the objects. You pick it up, you'll see a barcode on it. Walk it over to a kiosk, computer screen, scan the barcode, it'll bring up a page that tells you who made this video, how much the object cost. If you buy the object, you get a copy of the video as well, but the video also copyright remains with the artist. Um, that's how we have it constructed at this point. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to get away from the idea that, you know, the, that if you buy this video, that you're the only person who can look at it, mm-hmm. right? Video should be video. It's mm-hmm. digital video. It should be on YouTube if it if it can be mm-hmm. so that the world can see it. But mm-hmm. this, this provides the collectors with the one thing that yeah. is in the video that's essential to it. Right. Uh, so it gives them a thing they can buy right they're right. The, they're the only person who can own the little rubber ducky that the uh, video is about yes so it's a collector's item now yes right and it's yes. and for people who might not understand the vagaries of video art it's incredibly difficult to to monetize it so artists who want to instead of like i made a painting and you bought it and i sold it to you for ten thousand dollars yeah video artists are their their whole thing is so ephemeral that it's like well, what is it? What's the value? How do you sell it? And all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's a really elegant solution for that. Yeah. And it's not a solution for uh, for everyone mm-hmm. and for every video idea, but it is a solution for uh, artists, young and old, and even people who don't identify as artists. And I do want to be as inclusive as possible uh, uh, for anybody as long as they are abiding by the protocols of an object mm-hmm. that, that people can handle safely without it breaking or whatever. And they make the video within the time limits and an abiding by by the, the, the those parameters, you know, I want to be as inclusive as possible, um, and uh, and and give them a way to be creative. If they put a little bit of time into it, you know, they can maybe make a little bit of money when they sell their object. If they want to put a lot of time into it, we'll price it higher, and we're, I'm going to do my damnedest to sell the concept um, to collectors as well as to uh, you know our own peers in the creative community and friends and family uh, and people walking in off the street. Um, that, that you are buying something and, and, and supporting artists by buying these objects. Uh, you're, you know, you're, you're investing in this, in this platform and you're investing in the individuals that contribute to the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and together we, we might, you know, eventually, you know, build this dream mm-hmm. where we're, where we're really uh, making these things worth something again and, and providing a new stream of, you know, revenue for, for creative people, whether they identify <laughs> as professional crazy, artists or, 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 or they're just, you know, you know, a, uh, a, you know, a fast food employee or a nurse or whatever, who's making a video on their cell phone on a Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, I want to be as inclusive as possible. And for this to be applied, like crappy magic, you know, I don't necessarily, uh, we've taught obviously there are some concepts and ideas that I'm pushing here, but I want to be as much of a open platform for other people and for each item and video they contribute. So that's why it's so far, I'm not really, 
you know, saying that the show has a, in th- any given show has a theme, I'm not really asking people to abide by, you know, uh, uh, conceptual parameters, right. what they submit right there. I was just like, whatever, as long as it fits the, 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 yeah. the paradigm and will work in the space and the, and the exhibition concept, you know, I want this to be about whatever is like top of mind for you or whatever is mm-hmm. important for you to communicate, whether it's, you know, a personal narrative or a political statement uh, or um, a you know, horror movie. A, you know, uh, you know, yeah. A three a three minute long short horror film, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you, you know, music video for your own, you know, project or whatever. <clears throat> what I like about it too is that it's like um, uh, not only, I mean, well, first of all, it's just it's kind of great to sit and just take pause and, and think. Pretty much anybody can make a reasonable quality video of some kind now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like sure. you know, like w- whoa, you know, and just even pausing on that for a second uh-huh. is is you know, I mean, people know that, but to, when you start thinking about uh, like if you were trying to do this 15 years ago, you know, it would not be able to be as inclusive because of the technology is just not as available to people. Yeah. Know, uh, yeah, yeah. Video yeah. Uh, tools. And then, uh, so I think that's really cool. And then I guess also like for, for me, I, you know, I think I like the idea that, um, and I, I know that there's probably some weird kind of, um, I don't even, I'm sure you're, you're trying to develop some sort of an algorithm in a way of like assigned value or perceived value. Again, these kind of points, but, but the idea that, you know, people can work really, really hard and, and fully lean into something and associate to this, this object that is then part of the, mm-hmm. the larger piece, or it can be something that's, you know, like a whim and a thought and just fleeting and, you know, super approachable and doable, you know, without, it being some huge uh, film project or, mm-hmm, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so, and I like the idea that, you know, you generally just kind of said sort of like the more that it's put into it, the more valuable that that is. I know that that's probably not a perfect curve because I, I, there's going to be certain things that are probably very fleeting and maybe took eight seconds to make and were made by accident, you know, or God knows what that might still be on the same value plane as something else. But there's some, I guess I'm interested in sort of sure, that assigned value. Absolutely. Yeah. So far I have tended to let artists make the first proposal and the final call on what, how we price things. Mm. Um, but uh, I do enter into the conversation if I feel like they may be undervaluing or overvaluing their work. Mm -hmm. And usually I've tended to see that artists will undervalue Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, in terms of what they're asking um, for an item. Uh, And, you know, the, the thing is, is that we, we, with crappy magic, we have some ways to go, um, you know, still working on, uh, uh, a critical mass of publicity, I think, around the project, uh, and, and finding those first handful of buyers who are going to go out and uh, and share their purchases and, and vouch for yeah. the project. You know, the, I think we, we still need that to happen. So right now, but I'm still pricing is still important at this point because um, we want to. Uh, 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 hold steady on this idea that these things are worth something because of the creative investment that that uh, not because of the object itself but because of the creativity that the artist has invested in their video around the object in most cases yeah. some of the objects are really freaking cool too mm-hmm. uh, a few artists have kind of you know bought a thing and, and modified it mm-hmm. uh, and you know turned it into a sculpture Sam Dunson with his shiny star baby uh, is certainly a, a, a great, great example of that it's a, it's a great great uh, uh, animated uh, film starting uh, starring a, a, a 
selection of, uh, of baby dolls and, and child's toys that have, that have been uh, uh, re, you know repainted and kind of crafted into a mythological uh, narrative. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and, and and you know uh, artists like uh, uh, McKay House has combined items. She combined a, 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 a kind of daily. Uh, or weekly pill box, you know, mm-hmm. the little thing with all the little plastic doors. And then she put um, the puzzle pieces in each of the uh, each of the pill trays. And the video is taking each pill, uh, each um, puzzle piece out of the pill box and assembling the puzzle day by day and assembling a puzzle with puppies on it. Uh, so I think it might be, uh, you know, slight um, uh, approach to the idea of you know pills antidepressants or pills making us happy right mm-hmm, yeah. um so uh so so there's a great commentary there and, and, and a great short film so those are some ways in which artists might creatively combine things or even manipulate things um but for the most part i think the most effective thing uh for most artists who might want to get involved in the crappy magic experience is just find an object and let, let the film um do the talking around um around around mm-hmm. what you what potential what creative potential you see in the object Right. One thing I was going to say is, uh, you know, you the the to me the, the the first crappy magic show still fills me with joy, David, and uh, and I know that my well, wife feels the same way. We 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 just that show was fan fucking well, But the show this December, we're going to yeah. probably bring back some bins. We're going to do uh-huh. both. We're going to do both things. Oh, that's cool. And I might even be selling because the first show. Another part of why I wanted to go into a retail direction with the second show is that people just wanted to buy stuff they found in the bins. Yeah. Um. So I think I'm going to be ready right. to let people take pictures in bins, and we'll have the more special items that people have made videos for and but uh, also if you find something in the bins I'll have some kind of I've got to figure out a pricing yeah. structure around you know is everything three or five dollars right. or some things you know more yeah. but uh, yeah I think I'll, I'll, I'll have it to where you can take pictures as well the thing I was going to say though is that you know you've this whole thing like as we've just illustrated like like all these aspects of it have evolved over time in you know and made it you know even more powerful and and even even more like embodying these values that you're that you're discovering as you're going here to some degree but one of the best things that's happened recently has been this this change of location right so you went from seat space which at that time was but very I mean a popular well-known gallery mm-hmm. but then you ended up in the abrasive media space for the second event is that yeah, right yeah, yeah and in some ways you know in you might be able to argue that that's a little bit more of a democratic space with a lot more like foot traffic and people might discover that accidentally as opposed to going to seat space on purpose, pretty much is what you got to do, right? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, at, at the same time, um, you know, abrasive media um, had the perfect physical space venue. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and like, was, you know, that seat yeah, space, really seat space is, is, is very is small was, compared yeah, to abrasive yeah, media. 100%. And we we need we needed room for people to wander to display to, the to pieces. space it out. Yeah. And I had, you know, I had, you know, other. This is retail now. Yeah, you're remembering a retail. <laughs> on, the way, yeah. on the way to retail. <laughs> and, 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 you know, abrasive media does do uh, a lot of great programming uh, but I found that they were they were just a sweet spot um, in terms of the willingness and bravery yeah. um, of, of Audra and Justin and their team and the to, square to take on. they took on our project before we had the software system that was going to, before oh, yeah. we built the kiosk and seed space did the same thing too. Mm. Both of them. I was just like, I have this crazy dream, yeah. you know, uh, and <laughs> they were on spec. They were, like, they, we got they it. were yeah. on spec and yeah. they, 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 they gave us a date, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and they, and they, and, and, and that's what artists need is deadlines. And they, and they helped us with, promo- <laughs> they, and they, and they helped us with promotions. So too. that's cool. So for, for me, I mean, I might, I, I, it, it, 
galleries yeah. with a great you know exhibition record that's cool and stuff but it's not my first priority mm. i would just you know i think that probably a great you know line of succession as far as venues for crappy magic experience will actually be retail storefronts yeah uh, like a pop-up store that's kind of what i'm getting at yeah, like, i'm not yeah. trying to, to to you know make any judgments between seat space or whatever mm-hmm. i'm saying is that the 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 projects it just you know i i could if I was writing this, David, yeah. believe me, I would write this in a way that made this point 100% yeah. clear and sure, convince yeah, people yeah, yeah, that this is what's, what's happening. But I feel like you could make the argument that the spaces themselves have become increasingly democratic uh-huh. as the show has yep. become increasingly yep. democratic. Yep. And most recently, you have actually been showing up at the monthly flea market yeah. that we have at the at the state fairgrounds, yeah. which is just a fucking free-for-all of junk <laughs> collection. It's, it's, a, it's a massive acres and acres yeah. of people selling any number of things everything but contemporary art yeah. and you're and you're hanging out in this space and, and with a bunch of junk uh-huh. and when i when we the first time you were there i think it was the first time maybe maybe it was not the this first is, i but, think i've done it three times this year i think uh-huh. maybe maybe it was the second maybe time march and april and then again in uh was it june or july i don't remember but when we got yeah. there we saw you yeah. there we knew we, we knew what building you were going to be in we come walking into that space and from 15 feet away if I didn't know you and yeah. Matt Christie was with you, uh-huh. your co-conspirator Matt uh-huh. Christie, if 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 I hadn't known you guys and knew what you were up to, you guys just looked like you were running another booth, like everybody else was running. Yeah, yeah, I just had some some kind of cool to- yeah. toys and junk artifacts, probably some yeah. kitchen utensils thrown yeah. in there. Yeah, and, and, while we, and of course we're there because we know what's going on, and we can't wait to watch uh-huh. some videos. Uh-huh. But while we're there, there was a number of people who came and went yeah. who were fucking completely had no idea what was going on. And and I love the fact that while you know museums and galleries of all kinds have been wringing their hands. It, it, in for two decades in yeah. my in my counting um, uh, about how to include people and what to do about it uh-huh. you've just basically set this trap <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you're like oh they'll fall in uh-huh. you know what I mean uh-huh. they'll just fall in and they do and there was people there that day who had no idea what the fuck was going on and you had to walk them through it yeah. very friendly uh-huh. very good retail uh, you know uh, well, you. what do you call it uh, uh, customer service sure yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you walk them through it and the next thing you know they're watching this fucking insane art video yeah. <laughs> which is probably the first art video they've ever watched uh-huh. and they're laughing their asses off and like there's kids just stopping and watching because uh-huh. they're just wandering around because mom's selling honey next door or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it was uh it's it's really amazing the way you've like the way you've gotten it into those kind of spaces and and like like i say just turned it into this contemporary art ambush is that where the retail space is going to be too well i'm not uh eventually I would like to show up you know on a on street corner somewhere yeah. in, you know walkable districts in, in Nashville or, or New York or Philadelphia LA wherever um, but uh, uh, th- this next show is going to be back in sort of an art space it'll actually be back in the track one building but in the Silo room okay. and so oh, inst- okay. That's inst- a nice inst- big space. instead of like a booked venue this, this big show um, you know later this year is going to, is one that I'm just uh, you know renting you know I'm just like hey yeah. so I think you know they they, 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 they might have the you know prerogative to screen out people, but it's not like they sought me out for a show. I, I asked sure. them, I was like, "What's it cost to do the thing?" I think that's what most people do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so if if I'm an artist listening to this podcast and I'm uh, 
I think I've, you know, have a, I definitely am interested. I love what's going on. I need to understand a little bit more, but I want to contribute. I want to do something. What, what are my next steps? Yeah. So uh, I'm basically operating out of crappymagic.com, and I'm also very active on my Instagram now. Crappy.magic is my handle on Instagram. So there's a dot in there. Crappy.magic. Is that because Crappy Magic was already taken? <sighs> yeah, that's a that's a hard story. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. And the the, the, the guy seems perfectly nice. Uh, if I, but I fuck that guy. No, he's. It's not like that. <laughs> just the issue is, is like I started the. I was already printed Crappy Magic magazine, but I was resistant to the idea of joining everyone on Instagram. So I waited like uh. six months, and during the time, like between the time that I started Crappy Magic and between the that was March, and like I guess I got on to Instagram in like November, and during that space of time, somebody got uh, the username. Oh. Ah, that's right. <laughs> the way so the I could have could have had it. So yeah. I sent him a message, but I might uh, but, you know, I might, might reach out to him again. Crappy dot magic is where people will find you now. on Instagram, yeah. and then Crappy Magic. So the, the homepage of CrappyMagic.com right now is the call for entries for the show coming up later this year. Oh great! Right, okay. so that's a great place to start if you want to get into the show. And also, you click on the magazine page, the experience page, even the studio page. You'll see videos related to all three aspects awesome. of the show. And just to give a little teaser, the Crappy Magic Studio is going to be an instructional video. A series around still life painting so I've picked up the paintbrush again I quit when I started the magazine I took yeah. the first picture of the magazine stopped painting for three years back at the easel and we're doing <laughs> and we're making still life paintings uh, uh, based on the stuff from, from my collection that's going to be on a YouTube channel it's going to be a YouTube channel I'm working on the, I've got the pilot episode up on YouTube now a Rossian and, instructional uh, painting videos right Bob Rossian. Yeah, he's a sort of Bob Rossian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so far, I'm like kind of an inept and much slower Bob Ross <laughs> who's, who's, who's painting junk, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, 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 Bob Ross as well as, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers, you know, those sort of uh, uh, television, uh, uh, public television characters are, are inspirational to me. Uh, uh, both, both uh, you know, wonder, wonderful artists in their own in their own right. And uh, so, yeah, I take inspiration mm-hmm. um, from, from, from those figures and others have you adopted um, uh, their sort of innate sedate no uh, sort of uh, I'm, hypnotic qualities I, I know I can't I can't be anybody other than who I am yet. but yeah. but I do you know I get into maybe a little bit more of a mellow mode when I'm doing the painting yeah. video than I probably I'm probably sounding a little bit more animated talking with you guys yeah. but uh, but I do want the the video to not just be a place to you know learn to make a still life painting yeah. because most people who are watching Bob Ross are not there to learn to paint like mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're there to, ride. they want to hang out yeah. with Bob Ross yeah. so I, want, I, I do want to be somebody who's like um, you know. In enjoyable company enough that if you're like feeling down and you're like you know going down it's like I want I want to yeah. be I want to be like a chill internet rabbit hole yeah. for somebody to go down who just needs a place to, to yeah. kind of think and be be Sometimes like love it. Be like comfort sem- yeah, yeah 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 be, be, be semi connected with but but also alone with somebody on That's the internet awesome. you know and it's kind of a you know and that really is like boiled down extract of what those figures that you're talking about you know Bob Ross and all that uh-huh. like, that's what they provided was just this uh-huh. kind of a I don't know, warm, there's like sort of warm blankets. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to be different in terms of my sure. personality is a little bit different, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I hope to, I hope to still be uh, comforting and entertaining, yeah. you well, know? So. I find you very comforting. Oh, I appreciate yes, that. I you, feel uh, very entertained. I've so, been, um, <laughs> so on the way out here, um, so obviously, you know, geez, thank you so much. This has uh, been amazing. Thank you. Like, um, I'm Thanks gonna, for being our first guest on season three, David. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I appreciate being here and I, I've uh, been comforted by your presence. Yeah. 
uh, <laughs> as well. And uh, and I look forward to seeing you guys at, like, yeah. at the Crappy Magic Experience. Yeah, uh, I feel like, no, I feel like no, we're part of it. Where yeah. will it be? It's going to be November 30th and December 1st, 2018. Okay. Uh, right. Just a few short months away. The deadlines, uh, if you can get a, a video and item into me, I think it's like October 22nd. I'll pretty much guarantee that you're in the show and you use you in promotions. If there's any issue, I'll just kind of coach oh, yeah. you on what we might need to do to tweak the video. Sure. And uh, the late deadline is going to be, I think, November 12th. So uh, that's wow. like when I really need the video in. And we'll, once the video's in, we'll coordinate on either getting the item mailed in or meeting up around Nashville. And that's at the Perfect. Silo Room in track one. Silo Room in track one. Uh, and then that December 1st, the second night of the show, is going to be the Wedgwood Houston Art Crawl as well. All Perfect. Right. And Joe, you got anything coming up you want to you shout out? Um, I'll just shout out my talk tomorrow again. Um, we'll be talking to David's uh, old colleague, Casey Pierce, at his... Uh, at his uh, art exhibition at Red Arrow at uh, 4 o'clock this Saturday. Um, see you there. Awesome. And then uh, for myself, um, all the things I'm working on, I can't really talk about. Top secret. I love top it. Top secret. Uh, but I, I am um, doing a film score right now for a, a film that is just absolutely tremendous that I'm super excited about. Oh, cool. Sweet. And it's going to be, um, you know, it'll be like, you know, Netflix uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, That's it, cool. And is, uh, I'll say that it's in and around sort of the, the art world. Um and it's based out of New York, mm-hmm. and that's all I can say right now. But it is just a mind-numbingly amazing documentary that I'm so thrilled to be a part of, cool. and, and to be uh, you know doing the film score and all the original music and everything for it is mm. like uh, kind of a return to my roots in a way because you know I've been doing so much uh, you know drone work and all these mm-hmm. other things and. I mean, you know, the nature of drones is they've only been around for a couple of years, few years anyway, to be a viable thing. Mm-hmm. So I only have that much, that much time mm-hmm. put into sort of learning all that. But my whole life has been in sort of making sound. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's nice to kind of get back to sort of right. your, my most fundamental vocabulary, perhaps uh, my, my still life. But uh, yeah. Yeah. if but you anyway. need some Rust Belt Roots rock, I got you covered, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll explain to you more about the project off the air here, and uh, you'll you'll be like, oh, now I see why that is just. Uh... <laughs> Should we uh, plug our donate button as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen, you know, you, you, if you've listened this far, especially if you're a creative or whatever, or even if you're just a person, we've given you an invitation now uh, via our friend, uh, you know, with Crappy Magic here to uh, to participate in something, right? Like you, you're getting value out of this. We're trying to be a little bit more upfront, chill, uh, comfort, whole. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> If you go to anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast, you'll see a button that says support this podcast. You can give us 99 cents a month. Uh, our goal is we want to get 1 million people giving us 99 cents a month <laughs> so that we're making a million dollars a month. I don't think that that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know. Do you guys care about production value? <laughs> <laughs> I think you like it when the podcast sounds good. Uh, but but in but in uh, in simplest terms, uh, it takes money and a lot of time and a lot of thought to do this, and we don't want to be all pledge drivey about it. I hate asking for anything, but I think that we're at a place now where we've been doing this enough to to say, hey, you know what? Like, it'd be cool to see some energy coming back and seeing people raise their hands in support of what's going on because mm-hmm. I, I really think that we've, like I said, sort of hit our stride and we're starting to mm-hmm. provide some some value. It's not just like uh, us finding our way as much anymore, which I think uh, is allowing us to kind of turn that corner so anyway it's also helpful anytime you guys um like you know share episodes or tell people about us or anything like that like that kind of like word of mouth promotions very valuable as well so yeah don't be shy about the fact that you love art fight podcast that's right all right everybody appreciate it 
Take it easy. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.